Welcome to the American Research Center in Egypt's podcast. Each month, we'll bring you the latest findings in Egyptological research and host engaging discussions about fascinating topics in Egyptian cultural heritage. Each of our guests are world-renowned scholars in the fields of Egyptology, Islamic, Coptic, and modern Egyptian history, archaeology, and much more. To suggest a topic for this program, please email us at podcast at rc.org. We are also available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you may listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find out more about our other programs and activities, including virtual lectures and tours, by visiting our website at rc.org. That's A-R-C-E dot org. You can also support our work by joining our mailing list, becoming a member, or donating to support this podcast. This month's podcast focuses on King Tutankhamun's court, featuring Dr. Fatma Ismail, RC U.S. Director of Outreach and Programs, in conversation with our guest, Professor Nozomu Kawai of Kanazawa University in Japan. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Our guest on today's episode on King Tutankhamun is Professor Nozomu Kawai. He's professor of Egyptology at Kanazawa University, Japan, and the director of the North Saqqara Project. His research focuses on the history, arts, and archaeology of the New Kingdom of Egypt, with a particular emphasis on the period from the late 18th dynasty to the 19th dynasty. He obtained his PhD on the reign of Tutankhamun in 2006, and he's currently working for the revision of his original dissertation for publication. Welcome to RC's podcast, Professor Kawai. It's my pleasure. While we know quite a bit about the tomb and the mummy of King Tutankhamun, we don't know much about the history of his reign. Can you start us off by uh, briefly describing the political situation within Egypt during Tutankhamun's reign? How did his short reign fit into the broader sweep of Egyptian history in the New Kingdom? Well, Tutankhamun comes after Akhenaten who introduced a new religion centered on the sun disk, Aten, abandoning Egypt's traditional religion. After the death of Akhenaten in his 70 year on the throne, the regime was distancing from the new religion of the worship of Aten as introduced him. By the third year of the female king, Nefer Nefer Aten, the god Amun, proscribed under Akhenaten was back in royal favor and the traditional religion had been officially revived. This trend would intensify with the accession of Tutankhamun, but paradox remains in plenty. Although Tutankhamun restored the traditional cults and compensated them for the, for the injuries sustained under Akhenaten, element of Amarna legacy would survive more tenaciously than these externals might indicate. Soon after Tutankhamun ascended to the throne, he seems to have obtained another name, Tutankhamun, which indicates the harmony between Aten and Amun as national deity. I, I mean, uh, Tutankhamun worshiping Amun and Aten simultaneously at the beginning of reign. However, he changed his name to Tutankhamun completely soon afterwards. It seems that Tutankhamun never resided at Amarna 
after his accession because there is no partial remains with Tutankhamun's name there. Instead, he returned to Memphis as the royal residence, while Thebes, Thebes became the center of religion again. Tutankhamun's new policy is stated in his so-called restoration sphere, which was erected in front of the third pylon at Karnak Temple. In this, Tutankhamun announced his intention to restore the traditional god Amun. The stira documents the institutionalization of Tutankhamun's restoration program, describing what had already been affected to the benefit of the traditional cults. Tutankhamun's first imperative was the restoration and reopening of the temples of traditional cults throughout Egypt. Even more important was the fact that three deities, Amun-Ra, Rahul-Rakti, and Ptaha, became equally worshipped as a supreme state deities. Tutankhamun's initiatives to restore the traditional cult involved the redistribution of the national wealth to the temples of traditional deities and noblemen. During the reign of his father, Akhenaten, power and wealth had been concentrated in the hands of Pharaoh. Through the restoration of the traditional cult by Tutankhamun, the wealth of Egypt was once again redistributed to the temples and noblemen. Changes from the cult of Aten to the cult of three deities represent the, the coexistence of multiple deities and the king. The revival of the traditional cult helped stabilize the social order and empower the ancient Egyptian kingdom as a thriving nation. Uh, knowing that King Tutankhamun was only a teenager when he ruled Egypt, who do you think was really behind the scene uh, arranging for these initiatives uh, to restore the traditional cults? The leading figure of the restoration program must have been the regent Horemheb. So Horemheb was not only the commander in chief of the army, but also he was a regent and the deputy of the king. It is probable that restoration inscription was made by Horemheb himself in the name of Tutankhamun. Ironically, the inscription was usurped by Horemheb he became, when he became king. A scribal statue of Horemheb from Karnak, which I examined for the first time, mentioned that he had actually restored the Temple of Amun at Karnak and magnified Thebes from its devastated situation without acknowledging the king. It was Horemheb who aimed to remove the memory of Amarna kings in order to legitimize himself as a new king since he had no connection with the royal family of the 18th dynasty. This Damanatio Memorai and restoration program were followed by Ramses I, Seti I, and Ramses II for the same political purpose. So in a way, Tutankhamun's reign was a transitional phase from the heretic Amarna period to the Ramesset uh, period. Yeah. yeah. So I would say it, it was time of pivotal change in politics, religion, economy, and culture in Egyptian history. Beside his tomb, what are the other monuments attributed to Tutankhamun? Actually, there are so many other monuments attributed to Tutankhamun other than his tomb. 
Tutankhamun's reign was marked by a significant increase in artistic and architectural activities throughout Egypt, despite its short time. Although it is impossible to know Tutankhamun's entire restoration and building activities, the evidence implies that Tutankhamun's restoration and reactivation of the temples spanned from the Delta to Upper Nubia. Indeed, Tutankhamun was a restorer and a builder, considering the large scale of his restoration and building program within the 10 years of his reign. Tutankhamun's most impressive restoration work was undertaken in Thebes. Tutankhamun continued the unfinished work of Amenhotep III's building project, neglected by his son Akhenaten. By resuming the building program of Amenhotep III, Tutankhamun aimed to legitimize himself as the successor of the last Orthodox king before Akhenaten. For example, Tutankhamun decorated Colonnade Hall of Luxor Temple, which was left unfinished and neglected by Akhenaten. On the scene of the Obed festival, Amenhotep III is represented as the statue of a deified and deceased former king on each divine bark of processional procession conducted by Tutankhamun. This suggests that Tutankhamun's association with Amenhotep III was displayed publicly during the festival as political propaganda. My observations, my observations of Tutankhamun's monuments in Karnak reveal that he often left his activities in the major parts of the temple and the main processional ways. Also, Tutankhamun uh, created numerous statues of Amun in various sites in Thebes, especially at Karnak. As you know, the name Tutankhamun means the living image of the god Amun, and Amun statues are expressed in the guise of the face, facial future of Tutankhamun, manifesting the meaning of his name. These statues have been studied and just published by Dr. Mariano Eaton Krauss recently. Do we know where he built his memorial temple? This is a big problem. We don't know the exact location of the Tutankhamun's memorial temple, but he seems to have built his memorial temple in Karnak, which was completed by his successor, I. The temple was demolished by Horemheb, and most of the blocks from this temple found in the second and the ninth pylons at Karnak. You can actually see the uh, blocks uh, in the area uh, between the main temple and Honsu temple at Karnak. You are listening to the official podcast of the American Research Center in Egypt. More information about our operations and programs can be found at rc.org. And if you would like to support the RC podcast, please visit rc.org backslash podcast. Now we will go back to our episode with Professor Nozomu Kawai. We know that King Tutankhamun was surrounded by an elaborate entourage of high-ranking officials. You have studied many of them. Who do you believe were the important men or women behind the throne in Tutankhamun's reign? Well, the most important high officials are Horemheb, I, and Maya. During Tutankhamun's reign, a pattern emerges when high officials take on royal prerogatives. I, who was the closest courtier to the king, 
and participated in royal cultic ritual is one. Horemheb takes on similar royal attributes by depicting himself as a victorious military leader and, and an excellent legislator, which are supposed to have been significant role of the king. Maya, overseer of tragedy, was responsible for the restoration program in the country. His outstanding role implies that the restoration of the nation's temples and their economy was prime concern during Tutankhamun's reign. He also adopted epithets normally reserved for royalty. Maya is so interesting. He served during King Tutankhamun and continued to serve under Hurunha. Um, when the minor robbery took place in King Tutankhamun's tomb, Maya is the one who ordered the tomb to be resealed and the tunnels made by the robbers be filled. Who else beside these three men, um, Professor Kawai, who else was beside I, Humheb, Maya, the treasurer? I read about Nachtman. I think he donated a few items to Tutankhamun's tomb, right? Yeah. So Nachtman is known to have been a military officer. So he was very close to Tutankhamun as he dedicated, as you said, five shabdis to the Tutankhamun tomb. So he seems to have originated from Acme, like I. In I's reign, he must have surpassed the position held by Horemheb, as he was designated king's son of his body of I, I mean, designated successor. So this clearly indicates that possibility of Horemheb succeeding the king was prevented by I. Instead, Horemheb came to the throne. There was another important person who took care of Tutankhamun, Senket, overseer of tutors under Tutankhamun. His tomb was found on the west bank of Acme. He's also from Acme. And he is depicted as he lies the chariot next to Tutankhamun to show his duty as a chief educator of the young boy king. By the way, as I already said, Acme is a very important place where I, Naktumi, also came from. Isn't it where they think Nefertiti came from as well? That's why they think Yeah, Nefertiti I, and Yuya and Tuya, oh, yeah. the mm -hmm. parents of Queen T of Amenhotep III. So the, you know, the people from Akumi were very, very influential. Now we know the high priest of Amun and the Tutankhamun. He is Pavren Nefer when Nefer. His tomb was discovered by a German team headed by Friedrich Kampfseifri at the end of the last century. The style and iconography of the tomb decoration clearly belongs to a period immediately following the Amarna period. In particular, both the architecture and decoration present remarkable powers to both the royal and private tombs at Amarna. It represented conscious attempt to assimilate the theology of Amarna into traditional Egyptian conception. In the tomb of Paren Nefer, when Nefer, interestingly, the name Paren Nefer is totally erased and replaced by the name Wen Nefer. The name Paren Nefer means he of the perfect name, being used during the Amarna period in reference to Akhenaten, but he kept this name during the post-Amarna period, and the erasure was undertaken in the reign of Ramses II. Paran Nefer's titles include the greatest of seers in Thebes, 
he is the first high priest of Amun, to hold this title. Since the old kingdom, greatest of seers regularly refer to the high priest of Ra in Heliopolis. The title greatest of seer was also used by the high priest of Aten during the Akhenaten's reign. This title is associated with the Ra, with Ra. He also had the title of semi-priest, normally attributed to the high priest of Ta. It seems that from the post-Amun period, the cult of Amun at Karnak became harmonized with that of Ra and Ptah in order to avoid a monopoly of Amun's priests. This may be understood as a result of reactions to reaction to Amun's priests immediately before the Amun period. This pattern seems to have become common in the Ramside period. What about women, uh, Professor Kawai? Obviously, his sister wife, uh, Anchison Amun, was important. Uh, recently, Alan Zivi discovered the beautifully decorated tomb of the wit nurse Maya. Can you tell us more about the women in King Tutankhamun's life? Of course. So, Anchison Amun was Tutankhamun's queen, and she was third daughter, daughter of Akhenaten and Nefertiti, probably older than Tutankhamun. She's always depicted with her husband with affection in many funerary objects from Tutankhamun's tomb and elsewhere. She even outlived Tutankhamun and may have played an important political role after his death. You know, her tomb has not been found yet. Unfortunately. And yeah, someone will discover uh, in the future, I hope. Mm. Well, Tutankhamun's wet nurse, Maya, was probably the most influential lady during Tutankhamun's reign after uh, his queen. In her tomb discovered the end of last century by Aranzibi, Maya is shown holding Tutankhamun on her lap, who is facing her. The two strike a beautiful affectionate pose. Tutankhamun is represented as a young boy with his distinctive profile and fully royal regalia while Maya adores him with her right hand and probably has her left arm around his back. In addition, she mentions a phrase in her tomb, pacifying the heart of all the gods in order to establish their temple and to be content with your heart every day as your sister Isis. This text describes Maya being identified with Isis and express important place for Tutankhamun's restoration program. I believe Maya was an extremely important noble lady, Tutankhamun's court. Also, a lady named Ta Enwazisi, who was probably a descendant of Yuya and Tuya, the parents of Queen T, and, and connected to I. And she had very influential power in Nubia. She married Amenhotepuhui, viceroy of Kushu under Tutankhamun. So it was probably due to his marriage to Taem Wazisi that Amenhotepuhui kept his influence in Nubia. So at least three remarkable women existed in King Tutankhamun's immediate circle. The tomb of Taem Wazisi's husband, Amenhotepuhui, is open to the public, right? Yes, it has beautiful tribute scenes with gold from Nubia. Actually, 
one of the shields and the smiting thing on it look exactly like the one we find from Tutankhamun's tomb. It definitely was a visit. I hope archaeologists can find the tombs of Anfis and Amman and time what you see in the near future. Inshallah. Do we have any insights into the dynamic or relationship between the king and those officials? How did they represent themselves? Well, the most representative depiction of Tutankhamun's entourage of high-ranking officials are shown in the tomb of Maya, Tutankhamun's wet nurse at Saqqara. The 12 high officials behind Tutankhamun are bending down and paying homage to the king. It is noteworthy that the high officials are depicted behind the king, indicating the political situation of Tutankhamun's reign. It is certain that those dignitaries are actual power holders behind the king. The two men with shaved head in the frontal part must be the two viziers who were normally positioned after the king in the administration. However, before the viziers, they are the men who appear to be the most important officials among them. One holds a fan, a cloth, and a battle axe, and the other holds a fan, a cloth, and a hecoceptor. I suggest that the former must be Horemheb, and the latter must be I, because Horemheb and I hold battle axe and hecoceptor, respectively, on other contemporary world scenes. Thus, the scene demonstrates I and Horemheb are the actual power holders during Tudangam's reign. What an interesting interpretation. I would like to tell our listeners that they can see this image Professor Kawai is describing on RC's podcast page for this episode. The scene is just like a summary of his government. Yeah, in a way, it highlights who are the important men at his code at this time. Not only was Horemheb the military commander, but he also dominated all other branches of the administration of the country. As a regent of the king, he outranked two viziers who traditionally served as prime ministers under the king. He was truly the political leader under Tutankhamun, as his most prominent title, Iripath, hereditary prince, suggests. I, on the other hand, was the closest courtier to the king. He and his wife, T, had served the royal family since Agnaten's reign, even when the new royal couple was born. Although I did not retain political power as an administrator during most of Tutankhamun's reign, he was the most influential private advisor to the king. After Tutankhamun's death, I ascended to the throne, probably due to his close ties to the royal family for generations. Thank you for being with us today, Professor Kuai. You are very welcome, Fatima. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RC Podcast, and many thanks to Professor Nozomu Kuai for sharing his expertise. Please join us for next month's podcast where we will conclude our series on King Tutankhamun with our special guest, Dr. Maggie Bryson, to discuss the aftermath of King Tutankhamun's reign. Please visit our website at www.rc.org for more information or contact us at podcast at rc.org. Again, we are also available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you may listen to your podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.